0: Hey there, welcome to another episode of Teams at Work. My name is Daria Gutnick, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Bunch. I'm co-hosting the show with Anthony Rio, who is also my co-founder and our COO. We are on a mission to help anyone become a great leader. And together with our team, we're building an AI leadership coach to achieve exactly that. This podcast is for a new generation of leaders. Every episode, we talk to an inspiring guest who is running a high-performance team or a company to learn about their journey and what they do in their day-to-day to be an effective leader.
1: So no matter if you're leading a team already or simply interested in becoming more effective at work, you can build your leadership skills by investing as little as two minutes a day with our AI leadership coach. If you're curious, download it for free on the Apple App Store today by simply searching Bunch Leadership coach. Your journey starts with a quick assessment of what kind of leader you are today. And then you will receive personalized daily leadership tips to help you grow faster into the leader you want to become tomorrow.
0: In this episode, I interviewed Daniel Leong, who was on the engineering team of early GitHub days and then left GitHub as director of engineering to join an early stage startup as VP of engineering. She's super inspiring because she does not only embody the You can do it and you can do anything you want and always spirit, but also because Daniel is balancing her tech leadership career with creative passion projects like her photography business, which she runs on the side and in which she's contributing to a more inclusive and diverse society by especially capturing the beauty and uniqueness of the LGBTQ plus community in her photographs. Daniel is also a mentor for first round fast track and tech by choice. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey everyone, and we are out for another Teams at Work episode. So excited. And here with me today, and today I'm alone because Anthony is officiating a wedding in Cabo, Mexico. Scandalous. But here with me today is Danielle. Welcome, Danielle. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am really, really curious. I have tons of questions and let's get going. My first one, actually, when I was Watching your career, and I was looking out what we've been up to. I was really, really impressed, and kind of felt like, "Wow, what did she not do?" And like in such a short amount of time, <laughs> like you worked for Twilio, you worked for GitHub, you became the director of engineering at GitHub, and now you're building something entirely new in itself. And I won't ask more questions about it, <laughs> but <laughs> tell us a little bit more about your journey so far. And my favorite question is like, how would you describe it? And like one or two sentences, but of course we want to hear more. So maybe Um, give us a headline and then expand a little. Yeah.
2: I mean, there's so many things that I have done throughout the course of my career that isn't even on my LinkedIn either. Like I used to be a copywriter. I also used to do forensic entomology, which is uh, the study of the insects that eat you when you die. So I have done quite a bit of everything. I also have a photography studio that I run on the side as well. And so for me, I'm always just excited about learning. I love learning all sorts of different things. And so if there is some sort of deep topic that I can get into, I'm always really excited to learn about it, like read stuff online, really talk to some amazing people. And that has always just been like the thing that has been keeping me going throughout my career, which is like what is next to learn like there's always something interesting there's always some expert in the field that i can always like be a student from and so i love learning i love teaching others because that's how you just like get to share the joy of knowledge around and so as i've gone throughout my career i've always like seen something yeah i remember the first time i saw somebody typing in a terminal i thought that was the most magical thing that i've ever seen and at that point i was non-technical you know i was in marketing i was doing copywriting And I saw somebody typing in the terminal, and it was just magic. And I was like, I want to learn that. Like, that looks really cool. And that's what started my whole tech career. And so that's just kind of those. that has been going on throughout my career, which is I find those little magical moments of like, that's something for me to learn. That's something for me to get excited about and dive deeply into it. And I've always just followed that instinct, and I've never been disappointed in it.
0: Hold on. I do want to shine light on this because I think so many users and audience members, community members of ours are always expressing this feeling of insecurity or like there's almost like this hero complex a little bit around tech leadership in general. Mm. So like as soon as you hit director engineering, the P technology and similar titles, you kind of like look like this person. Oh my God, you've been born with a technology into your cradle like the first time you coded you were three years old and all these stories that we all hear so i just wanted to kind of emphasize what you just said like you actually were non-technical first and a creative in many ways and moved from that very non-technical kind of journey into a highly technical one now leading building tech teams and driving technological development and innovation forward It just this is so awesome and so cool and i think we don't hear these stories enough so I just wanted to make sure we all (laughs) heard it you do not have to have grown up with technology in your cradle necessarily but you have to be very curious and want to learn
2: yes I am a big believer in if you have the curiosity and the drive to learn something then you should go do it and you can do anything you know the issue out there is you know there is this Persona of what it is to be a tech leader. You know, like you said, you know, you've grown up with, you were born with a computer in your hands. And that is not the case for everybody. You know, I saw something. I was excited about it. I decided to learn about it and I did. And I continue to do that throughout my journey, which is why you see me getting so excited about multiple different things is because the thing that is constant is that curiosity and that drive to learn. And so whenever I talk with people particularly who are early career or they view themselves as non-technical, I always say like there's no such thing as a stupid question, there's just poorly documented answers. And so if you don't know how to find answers, then it can seem impossible to find that knowledge, but with the wealth of knowledge that's out there right now, the wealth of courses, you know, this podcast even like makes it easier to find information. And so if you were able to find that information it makes it a heck of a lot easier to grow in ways that you never thought was possible. And so I love talking with people that, you know, have a non-traditional background or feel that they are non-technical because that also means that they have such a wealth of information from their own background that I don't have, which means I get to learn something new that they bring to the table. And so like I don't particularly like the hero complex because it just means that I've made so many more mistakes in this one area that you can see and I've learned from them. And uh, you know, I continue to grow from my past mistakes, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I am infallible. It doesn't mean that like I have some sort of hero or whatever. It just means I've made a, a lot of mistakes in one particular area and I have learned from them and I have built upon them, but I always love to learn from other people's experiences because That makes me a much more well-rounded person. And you should always feel like you bring something to the table, even if you are earlier on in your career or you come from a different background. Like I always love hearing about other people's experiences.
0: I have to toggle into that, of course. So curious about kind of reflecting the failures and learnings that were generated. But before we dive into that, what's currently driving you in terms of what are you curious about? What are the topics that you're learning actively on in the last couple of weeks?
2: So right now, you know, I am working for a self-startup that is working on uh, SaaS pricing insights. And pricing is something that I never really thought about. You know, coming from an, an engineering background for the last couple of years, I always worked with developer tools. And so I'm very good at like, this is what the developer wants, you know, as a developer myself, like, here's what I would expect from these tools. And now I'm working more on the business side of the house. And so working with pricing, working at an early stage startup, these are all like very, very new things for me. And so some of the things I have done in the past translate you know pretty well. you know, like I understand how to build a team. I know how to hire. I know how to have onboard. I know how to like make a team like gel together. I know like what sort of people to look for. But you know, I learned so much from my founder because she comes from enterprise sales. She comes from a completely different world from me. But that means that there's so much more information that I can learn from her, and vice versa. And so it's been really exciting to learn about being, a, you know, early stage startup. It's so different from what I've done in the past. Some things translate, and some things don't. And so that's part of the journey of like, how do you adapt quickly? How do you translate? what has worked in the past to something that's a little bit different. Time works very differently in a startup. I would say it's about three to six times faster than what you would expect at a company the size of GitHub, for instance. And so really being able to take that knowledge, adjust it, be able to iterate quickly and say like, okay, here's what's worked in the past. Here's how I'm going to break it down into smaller pieces. Here's how I'm going to turn that iteration phase into, you know, from maybe we would do this like over a couple of months at GitHub, but here, you know, we'll experiment for like a week maybe, and then like take that information and then see, is it working? Is it not working? All right, toss it out. Like, let's try something new.
0: I absolutely agree. I think having been in the early stage startup world, that's exactly, it's like the game is like to fail forward and fail faster. And whoever achieves that is like always getting a little bit ahead. Speaking of failures, when you look back, I'm so glad you mentioned, like, in the end, if you are just a few steps further, it means that you failed more often. Could you shed light on a few moments in your career where you felt like, oh, wow, I'm really not succeeding here. Like, I need to change something. And how did that shape you? How did you overcome these challenges?
2: So when I was early on in, you know, working in identity and access management at GitHub, this was a completely different field for me so previously at github i worked in the trust and safety team so really helping build uh, community health tools anti-harassment tools generally making the internet a much safer place to be and i felt like i wasn't quite moving as far ahead as i wanted to so an opening you know came up and i decided to be a temporary manager for the identity and access management team it was one team at the time and then I ended up staying and grew it into an entire organization and became a director of engineering. But those first couple of months was so hard <laughs> because I knew nothing about this space and it's deeply technical field. I don't know how much you know about ad- identity and access management, but it is hard. Like it is really, really hard. I'm also incredibly dyslexic too. And so there is authentication, which is often abbreviated as off-N. And then there's authorization, which is often abbreviated as off Z. And those are two separate concepts, but they sound the same and they look the same if you're dyslexic like me. And so I'm like getting those two confused all the time. You know, I've got uh, people who are looking up to me to like lead them. And I was like, this is a deeply technical field. I don't know anything about this. I just need somebody to help me (laughs) like get through this. And so, you know, really just talking through with the staff engineers that I was lucky enough to work with, like, you know, Brianna Knight was one of them, Matt Todd was another one, like Victor was another one. And it's just like, these are all incredibly amazing, like smart staff engineers that I got to work with. And they were kind enough to be like, let's explain this to you. Let's spend the time together. I'm going to walk you through the entire stack. I'm going to walk you through all of these architectural diagrams. Really, sort of explain the concepts, and then so we started working together very closely, and just really having those people that I could rely on and say, like, no, like it's not you. Like this is just a really hard concept, and we've been doing this for many, many more years than you have, and that was that was really helpful. So in the beginning, you will kind of always feel like a failure, like you know, again, like I'm in a new startup, I'm in a new role, also feel like a failure constantly, and so. I don't really think that feeling ever goes away. And that is something that I don't particularly enjoy, but it is part of the truth, right? You know, you always see what you want to, you have the the ideal of what you see, you know, maybe on Twitter or blogs or something like that, tech leaders. So, you know, they seem like they've got it together. None of us have it together. <laughs> like we're all constantly feeling like a failure, And if somebody doesn't feel like a failure, I don't know, maybe question that. But there's always something that is worrying you in the back of your mind. Maybe you don't know about it. Maybe you need to like investigate it a little bit more. And so if you're uncomfortable, then that usually means that you're growing. Is it going to be comfortable? No. But also I get bored, like if I am comfortable. And so it's sort of like, have I brought this upon myself? Absolutely. (laughs) But Does it mean that I get to learn on a daily basis from amazing people? Yes. So I would say that it is worth it.
0: Thank you so much for being so open about it. I think being vulnerable is the key to these type of unlocks in these situations. But most people really struggle with like jumping and taking the first step. And you mentioned you kind of ended up resolving it by asking for help, by kind of pulling in staff engineers to help you walk through the code base, help you like build the room, the mental room that you kind of need to have when you uh, steer, steer projects. And do you remember how you did this first step? Like what made you jump over the, the little fence that we all have before we go there out there? And then like, oh, please help me. Like, I actually really need to understand it in more detail.
2: I mean, I just started asking the definitions of things, you know, like I said, that there is the difference between often, which is authentication. And there's a difference between auth- auth- Z, which is authorization. And somebody sent me a blog post very early on. So authentication is who you are. So let's say you go to a food festival and, you know, you want to be able to drink beer at the food festival. You hand the, the person at the tent your ID. They give you a wristband. That wristband says, I am who I am and I am over 21. When you go and you grab alcohol at another tent, that tent, the food and alcohol one, they don't care who you are. They want to know can you have access to it? So they check if you have a wristband. That is authorization. And so that concept, I was like, oh, I get it. This is fun. Now I have the baseline understanding. What else is out there? Like, what is that other thing that you're talking about? And so you know, leading by example of like asking questions. And so, you know, we have, we had some like early career engineers, you know, they they might be scared to ask questions. They don't want to look, you know, silly or dumb or uneducated in front of other people. I have no problem with that. Like, I want to lead by example and say like, okay, I don't understand that concept. Can you expand on that acronym that you're using? Can you expand on this industry term that you're using? Because somebody else in the room might have that same question as well. And so I'm always happy to ask that question and sort of, you know, look silly in front of everybody if that means that it's more comfortable for somebody who might be earlier on in their career and unable to do so.
0: Super, super cool. I so agree. Um, I was always so glad to have you in the room when I was in the (laughs) beginning, um, just starting out. Um, When you think about your career as kind of a storyline or when you kind of look back and try to see the threads like would you say there is a mission of some sort that you are on like how would you headline it what are you after
2: Hmm. I would say that the thread that really started to solidify was when I started doing management that was when I really fell in love with like the art of management and it wasn't until I had an amazing manager who was my first manager at github her name was helen And she sort of embodied, like, this is what a good manager looks like. And I was like, I have never seen this. This is incredible. Like, she's so good at what she does. And you can tell that she really cares for, like, the craft of people management. And ever since then, you know, it's always been, like, how can I help people get to the next level of who they are as a person? And I say that as a person, rather than you know the like next level of their career, because careers change. You know, like I'm a great example of that. Careers change all the time, but you know, she helped me become a more well-rounded person. She helped me be able to understand my strengths and maybe areas that I need to work on. And we've maintained like a lifelong friendship ever since then. You know, I I actually officiated her wedding earlier on this year, and that's sort of like the thread that I've I've been currently working on, which is I really love to coach I really love to teach I love to see that aha moment on somebody's face where they like they get it and they're like oh like that's where that came from and that is something that I've always really enjoyed I love doing that with photography you know being able to show somebody how amazing they can look on camera when like all there is is doubt and like self confidence problems because of you know many many issues out there but you know like I love to connect with people. I love to teach people. I love to learn from people and I love to like help them become, you know, see the best person that they already are and like maybe remove blockers that, you know, maybe they have set up for themselves or society has set up for them. And I love to help people get to that next level.
0: Super beautiful mission. And I totally sign up for it. And I find it so inspiring that you also have that creative business on the side and you found a good setup in your life to pursue both, to pursue a very inspiring tech leadership career that is clearly something you're very passionate about, but at the same time, not saying no to important parts of your life and say like, no, I can do both. This inspires me and it helps me to pursue my mission and live my passions and be upfront about it. And I was just curious to understand how did you get to that point where like, as you mentioned, there's just so many self-doubts and I, I see so many people, kind of hiding their side hassles or feeling uncomfortable about them. And I think it would be so great to learn how you kind of marry this because it did feel on the outside, at least like, oh, this is very kind of uh synergetic, like it doesn't feel like there is tension between the engineering career and then the photography.
2: So I actually started photography relatively late in life, as with everything else in my career, it will happen when it happens. And I've only been doing photography for about six years. And I originally started doing it because one of the projects I was working on in trust and safety was a very mentally taxing project, which was building in a CSAM detector. Uh, CSAM, for those of you who don't know, is child exploitation images. The internet is filled with really awful people out there. And so I was, you know, in order to be good at trust and safety, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the people that you are trying to build tools around. It was not a very mentally happy place for me to be in. It is dealing with some of the worst parts of humanity. And so I was out with a friend. My friend had a camera. I picked up the camera and I was like, I love this. This is fantastic. I've always had a creative side, but I picked up the camera and I was like, yes, this is what I want to do more of. And I intentionally take photos of people that are in moments of joy. And I love color because I was trying to actively inject dopamine into my brain to counteract, you know, some of the things that I was seeing in that part of my job at the time. And then, you know, I moved to identity access management. And so like that was less of an issue. But I still loved working with people, just normal people, normal everyday people, And helping them see like, no, like you don't have to look like that model that you see on Instagram. That model doesn't look like that model. Like it's the magic of like poses and lighting and Photoshop and like what she looks like in that final image is not actually what she looks like in real life. So why would you want to look like that too? Like that's not real. And so again, like helping people get to see a version of themselves that like they don't know is there. And the thing that I like to focus on is taking photos of people of color as well as like queer and non-binary people. Because I feel like in photography, particularly, there is one aesthetic of beauty and it tends to be in a certain skin tone. It tends to be a certain body, body type, but that's not the majority of people out there. And so I get to work with you know, people of all different hair colors, hair textures, skin tones, body types, gender identities, and just be like, okay, who are you on the inside? What do you want to feel like on the outside? And so I get to work with people in that way. And it's a very, um, a very meaningful way for me to express myself. You know, sometimes when you get to a higher levels of management, you end up dealing more with systems and less with individuals. And so this was a, a way for me to, sort of get back to working with individuals and say like, okay, let, let me coach you through how you see yourself on the inside and let's bring that on onto the outside. And that is a really great way to like marry the two uh, parts of, of my brain.
0: Super cool. And obviously super inspiring that you have found that way to kind of contribute to, yeah, a more inclusive and a more diverse place to live, which is super, super yeah inspiring. I think on the practical level, when you think about how you made space for both. Do you have any tips that you could share with us when it comes to kind of, do you have specific days or a specific amount of time that you have in your schedule? Or like, how do you make it so that it actually fits into your life and it doesn't like start slipping because you get super busy in your day job, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: I would say that the things that are important to you, you will make time for. And one of the tools that I actually like to use is called Panda Planner, which is a physical notebook. And every day you have room for five priorities and you have to write down what your priorities are. And then the next day you have to do it again. You have to write down the priorities of the day. And so a problem that I generally have is I have so many things that I think I have to do or I actually do have to do. And so being able to prioritize like, okay, I have written this thing down three days in a row. Is this actually important to me or do I think that I have to do it? And so being able to distinguish between the difference of the two is something that really helps unblock me when I feel like there's so many things that I want to do or that I have to do. You know, either do it and get it out of the way and then check it off and then you don't have to write it again tomorrow or make time for it because it is important to you. And then being able to see like, okay, am I only writing down work stuff? Well, am I keeping a separate journal for my personal stuff? Because I have one life, but I somehow have two to-do lists. Like that math doesn't actually make sense if like you are the person who has to do both. And so that has actually been really helpful for me in sort of like making time for myself to do this. Now, I have less energy these days because I am working at a startup. And so I do less photography. But that is a trade-off that I consciously made because I was like, okay, the startup is, you know, what is the most important thing for me right now? It is where I'm going to spend the majority of my energy. But, you know, when I do have the time to rest and recover... Now, I do want to work on a photography concept that I've had in the back of my head. And so both are very important. You have one battery, which is your life. And so where do you want to spend that energy? And don't fool yourself in thinking that you can do all of the different things when each one of those items actually takes up energy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is super, super, super super true. And the five priorities thing is also so good at the same time, so true. When you were talking through it, I was like, oh yeah, I have the same priority sliding from day to day since seven days at this point. And like, Mm -hmm. it contributes to, you know, feeling guilty and feeling like, oh, I'm not accomplishing it. But I think it's so important to ask why is it not being prioritized? And what, if it is important and you just don't want to do it, but you kind of have to like also be honest about it. It's like, I really hate this task. Therefore, in order for me to accomplish it, I actually need to like, Make precautions or find a different way to accomplish it. but yeah, can totally relate. Speaking of engineering and engineering leadership a little bit more again, which unpopular opinions do you hold about either? Ooh,
2: unpopular opinions. I think that a lot of engineering management books are not great. I think I've read maybe three books and 10 total. I think that a lot have good concepts. I think that you could get the majority of the the gist of like what that book is trying to get to if you use a tool like Blinkist, which like does a summary of it. But I think that most of them could have been blog posts, to be honest. Um, and so, like,
0: I think a lot of them have been blog posts before.
2: They were blog posts, and then I'm like, I like legitimately happy for that person to have gotten a book deal, like get paid. Yes, like, you should do that. But like, do you have to read a book cover to cover to get the important parts out of it? I don't really think so. And then the other thing that I think of is there is a lot of great content out there and that that stuff is important. But I think that, you know, one of my mentees asked me, how do you know when to implement a process in a team? And I said, well, what's the problem you're trying to solve? And she like starts talking about, you know, like what's going on in her team and stuff like that. And so I said, okay, solve that problem and just that problem. And so I find Agile as a system to be a great idea and generally executed poorly because it seems to be all or nothing. It's like no Agile or like all of Agile. Agile is a very, very long and like robust system, which doesn't solve everybody's problem. So now you have two problems. And so especially in early startups or especially with new teams, I wouldn't jump into implementing everything that I've ever read in my entire life. Like I read a lot. Like I absolutely like love the art of management. Once again, so I read a lot. I have a lot of like resources that I recommend on my, on my GitHub repo, but it's like the true art of management is like being able to identify the problem that's happening on your team and then going back through all the things that you've read and then picking out the specific thing, this is a specific system with a specific process, and then adjusting it because what you see in a book, what you see in a blog post is a template and adjusting that template to fit the needs of your team. And that's where I think that a lot of maybe earlier career managers haven't quite gotten that muscle yet where they, they read something, it's by somebody that they really respect and they're like, oh, this is... The truth. And it's not, you know, it's a template. You know, you start there, you take a look at the problem that you're trying to solve and you adjust the template to fit the problems that you're actually trying to solve. So I generally try to treat my teams as customers. You know, like I, I try to enable my team to be like very product minded. So it's like, it's always every question we always ask is like, what is the customer problem we're trying to solve? And it's the same thing with engineering leadership where you look at your customer who are you know your teammates and you say, what is the teammates problems that I'm trying to solve? Start there rather than starting with a blog post or a
0: book that you've read. Super, super agreed. Playing devil's advocate, how do you not end up with this like Pile together a monster of different processes frameworks, and like create lots of conflicts and tension between the different mini mini solutions that you kind of plug over time. or maybe that's the only way how to actually mature. Maybe that's okay.
2: yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of like you know systems, right? with engineering management, it's a system of people with technology, it's a system of computers. and so think of it the same way there, which is. You end up with tech debt regardless, but if you are building the pieces intentionally, if you know what are the breakpoints at which you should be reevaluating, if it's working or not, then you have that clarity of saying like, okay, this system is no longer working for us. Toss it out. Like, what is the new problem that we are trying to solve? Because a lot of the times, you know, with legacy systems, uh, for instance, they've worked very well for the context at the time. But that context is no longer the same. And so, you know, now you have a new context, you have new problems. And so like, what is the new problem that you are trying to solve? You know, systems and processes should not ever be precious. You know, the people are the precious parts of this. The customers are the precious parts of this. That customer trust is the precious part of all of this. We're just using systems and processes to be able to maintain that trust and maintain the trust of the people that are working for us. And so if the context is now different, then does that mean that the process that we had in the past is still working for us? Probably not. So like, let's reevaluate that and then be clear with ourselves like, okay, this is the problem we're trying to solve now. This is why this doesn't work with us. And here's how we're going to evolve in the future to address what we're actually seeing today. And then here's how we're going to set ourselves up for for success
0: in the future. So true. I fully agree and appreciate the clarity (laughs) of your advice on that. You mentioned you read a lot and you kind of like try to, to keep overall up to date on like what's out there. And I'm definitely going to link the GitHub repo so that everyone who's listening can also check that out. What have you recently read Listen to, watch that kind of blew your mind? What has impressed you?
2: So, I read the AT protocol um, that uh, Blue Sky, um, which is a social media app that's out there, they're working on that right now. And that was super fun to read. Like, I really enjoyed sort of like diving back into technical documentation. It is very similar to Git. So, like, my past experience with GitHub was very useful there. But they had some upgrades with particularly identities and how they are handling uh, content moderation as well and how it's built into the protocol, which was really interesting because like having worked on identity access management at GitHub, like I'm you know, very familiar with like the pros and the cons of like the Git protocol of like, you know, Git protocols based on emails. But like nowadays, everybody has... Multiple emails, and like there's no, eh, you can verify an email, but like you can't really do it on the protocol itself. You have to do it through a third party like GitHub or any of the other GitHub competitors that are out there, but like you can't do it on the protocol itself. So I thought that it was really interesting um, that they're working on decentralized identities, which has its pros and cons. It basically makes uh, domain registrar, the new identity provider, which like I have some questions about, but I thought that it was really interesting that, you know, you're basically creating an updated version of Git with uh, different types of content and different types of like content trees and being able to work in a federated social network in that way. So I thought that was really fun. I highly recommend it. It was a great read. It's also like still under, um, like still in progress right now. And so. I may go back and just be like, hey, I've got some thoughts on like how we could improve the DID protocol and the decentralized identity part of, of the AT protocol. But yeah, that was, that was super fun to read. I, I really enjoyed going uh, doing a deep dive in that.
0: Super, super cool. I'll try to find that too and link it too. And I'm a little bit curious. It does sound super technical, but I think this point that you mentioned with kind of who is actually in charge of like identity in that process, I think is really a question that I've been having overall since Web3 in general. Like it has, its, as you said, like it has its downsides and upsides, like it allows you to have much more control over it in a way. And you are kind of not really, yeah, at the like, there is more autonomy, I think, as a user to decide like who sees how much of what part. And like that, I think is a really, really empowering concept. And I really appreciate that at the same time, it obviously opens up so many Um, doors for questionable practices. And yeah, I think understanding how, like what processes and precautions there will be is one reason for me to go through it on a high level, but I'll definitely, I'll look it up and link it for all of you. My absolute favorite question, which we also get to like always get to ask at the end of each conversation is to ask you which advice you would give your younger self or differently phrased. What did you? Learn rather later in your career that you wished you knew earlier?
2: I mean, I would just say, like, the people that you admire have gotten to where they've gotten because they've made so many mistakes that they have finally learned to stop making those mistakes. Because, when, you know, when you're earlier on in your career, like, oh, I made a mistake, like, oh, I took down prod and everyone's like, yeah, congratulations. You're one of us now. And that is always like a, a very strange moment in being an engineer where you're like, oh, I did a bad thing. And everyone's like, we've all done the bad thing. Like we've all taken down prod before. Like, that's just what happens. And so, you know, really being open to like, OK, like I've made this mistake. But surely somebody else has also made this mistake. How can I talk to somebody else and walk through like, well, why did these things happen? You know, how did you learn from this past mistake? How did you recover from it? I think it's a little bit harder when you are an engineering manager because the mistakes that you make are, you know, they're higher. They are higher stakes because they deal with the human side of technology. You're dealing with people's livelihoods. And so that should not be taken lightly. And so moving that before you make that sort of mistake, like talk it through with somebody who has been there before, who maybe has dealt with a similar issue, because that is the part of engineering management, engineering leadership, you don't see on those blogs. And so it can be a very isolating feeling of like, okay, you're you're dealing with maybe your first termination. And that's really, really hard. How do you know when you're supposed to do that? How do you know how to recover from that? How do you know the things that everybody talks about is like, okay, documentation, documentation. But it's like, how do you know when to start with that? How do you know how much energy you should be putting with somebody who maybe this isn't the best fit for them? And how do you do it compassionately? You know, like it, this is at the end of the day, you, you become a manager because you care about the people that are there. And so being able to talk it through with somebody, learn how they did it, learn how they did it compassionately, and then do what is best for the people there. I think that, that it's, you know, everybody goes through these journeys, everybody has to learn these hard things. But that also means that you're not alone in feeling these sorts of problems. And so go out there and talk to somebody, like grab a mentor, like talk to somebody that you admire and be like, hey, I have a question, can I ask you how you would handle this? And that's something that you you know, you can only really get through a personal conversation with somebody.
0: Super cool. Thank you so much. And I'm very truly jealous of all the mentees that get to work with you on those tricky <laughs> <laughs> questions. On that note, if uh, one of our listeners wants to reach out, wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way?
2: The best way is to DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open. I check them regularly to see if somebody needs some help with something. And yeah, so that's the easiest way to get a hold of me LinkedIn as well. Those are Very easy ways to find me. I've got a bright yellow photo. You cannot miss me. Um, Yeah, no, I'm always happy to talk to folks and and help them through the the next phase of their career.
0: Amazing. We will link both of those. And I do attest to the photo being very cool and unique (laughs) and brightened up my LinkedIn space. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for your learnings. Lots of insights. And we are so, so excited to have you on the show. Once again, thank you for your time and thank you for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Teams at Work. Let us know what your thoughts are on today's episode. You can find us on Twitter at Daria Gutnick and at Anthony A. Rio or simply follow Bunch at Bunch underscore HQ. And don't forget, subscribe if you like the episode because we always have interesting guests who join us and share valuable knowledge as well as actionable advice.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Please do get in touch. At the beginning of the show, we did mention that we're building an AI leadership coach that helps you level up as a leader in just two minutes a day. Check us out on the Apple App Store and simply search Bunch Leadership Coach to find it. Try it out and let us know what you think.
0: And that's a wrap. We're your hosts, Daria Gutnik and Anthony Rio, and we're excited to speak with you all soon. Till next time.